Welcome back to Let Me Be Brief. I am your co-host, Andy Rieger, not drinking whiskey today, along with my co-host, Matt Basinger, who just got back from a 100-mile bike ride. Yes, 100 miles. Also not drinking whiskey today. Also not drinking whiskey today. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Emprise Bank, member FDIC, creating your next business success story. As always, we are in the Let It Fly Media Studios, and today we have a very special guest, our very first elected official, and we are only going to talk about business, not politics. <laughs> Mayor David Alley of Kansas City, Kansas. Mayor, welcome to the show. Thank you. So let's, uh, how do you become a mayor? I know that sounds like a silly question, oh but just as a, as a quick background, you were always an elected politician. You were working in other things. And so how did you get into this industry, for lack of a better term? Well, my family's been involved in the community for generations. My my, my mom's side came to Wyandotte County in 1857 and settled on Strawberry Hill. And my dad's side settled in uh, the Turner area uh, in 1869. And they were, because they were some of the first people there, they were really uh, involved in, in establishing the community and the churches and the schools and so forth. In fact, my great-grandfather, John Gibbs, uh, established the first grade school in the Turner area. And in 1869, insisted that it, uh, they educated both black and white children together and in fact, the first headmaster of the school was a, a black teacher. So we've always been involved. My grandfather was uh, the head of the Shawnee Township. My uncle took that position. And, and so it's just kind of part of our blood, I think. Sure. So one of the big things we want to talk about today, we want to you just get into it. I know, I know. I just, I just like, I just <laughs> enjoy it. I mean, this is an opportunity to talk about municipal finance and the, the direction of it. So let's really talk about that. Mm -hmm. What is it like being a mayor today in a large municipality in America where you're dealing with so many social issues, but then everything falls back on finance. What's sort of your viewpoint and sort of the direction that you're trying to go? Right. So I think for Wyandotte County and uh, Kansas City, Kansas specifically, you know, we we struggled because if you go back, the, the, the inheritance of red uh, redlining, um, if in the 1930s, you know, President Roosevelt sent a team of uh, inspectors out across the nation to try and really guide banks to make sure that they would only make loans in places that would remain solvent, that they would be able to get their return on money. And so some of the factors they looked at uh, when they went into a community is, would this be a good place for a bank to make a loan? So it was really an attempt to protect banks' financial position. But unfortunately, some of the criteria that were used were racist. So in fact, and if if uh, you were not recommended to make a loan within one mile of an African-American household. And so Kansas City, Kansas at that time, its city limits, there were you know African-American families living everywhere. So practically the entire uh, area that was Kansas City at Kansas at that time was redlined. So what that meant over the decades is you could not borrow money to either fix up your home or to build a home, or if you did, uh, it was at a higher interest rate. And so... The, the consequence of that is the housing stock and the commercial stock was not invested in, was not improved, and so they would become blighted. And so currently we have 4,000 properties that the unified government owns that are land bank properties, and we cut the grass on those six times a year. Uh, we, we, you know, pick up any of the litter that might be there. But we have 10,000 vacant properties that at wow. one time 
would have had structures on them. So that's a huge hole in our tax base. So they're not generating revenues. At the same time that it's not generating much revenue, you're still paying for the infrastructure. You're paying for the water lines. You're paying for the, the sewer lines. You're paying for the power lines. Those all have to be maintained, but there's no one there consuming the product that allows you to sustain that infrastructure. So it's a very deep hole. And uh, you know, there's kind of this balance between investing in infrastructure and then keeping tax rate at a certain level that it does not discourage uh, investment, but and also does not drive out people, because uh, if you're on fixed income and you see your your housing values increase, even if your tax rate does not increase, you're paying more on your property, and that really puts a squeeze on. So. Fundamentally, we're not generating enough revenues to care for our infrastructure, and that's the fundamental problem. And so that tax base specifically mm -hmm. we're talking now is property taxes. And so all these properties, you said you have 10,000 greenfields more or less and 4,000 mm -hmm. structures. Are all of these residential properties that you're referencing? No, a lot of these would be uh, would have been commercial establishments, retail. Uh, so it's 4,000 land bank properties, 10,000 total properties, and some of those are in private hands as well. And so they're not being assessed at what they should be. Their full value has not been realized. So your government really has what the layman would look at as sort of two completely opposite areas, more or less. Right. You guys are just mm -hmm. going crazy out at the right. legends, and mm -hmm. you're just building the coolest area with mm -hmm. the best amenities. And then there's the original historic mm -hmm, part mm -hmm. of Kansas City, Kansas. How do you guys navigate that from a financial picture as to how you, I mean, I would assume most of these 10,000 properties that you're referencing are in the historic part of Kansas City, Kansas, That's right across correct. the river. So how are you using money, transferring across? What's the real plan with growing in certain areas, building tax base, maybe in other parts to help mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. build up tax base in the other? Walk us through that. Well, so if you look at what's happened at the legends, you know, if the traditionally when that was before that was developed, before the speedway went in, that was generating about two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year in sales tax. Minimal. There were very few uh, retail establishments there, and not much more in property tax because most of it was owned uh, agricultural. Since the legends has come into play, we're generating about twelve million dollars a year hmm. in sales tax, and. Uh, we paid off the star bonds early, about three and a half years earlier than projected. So that twelve million dollars then is able to be expended for, uh, you know, for in it comes to the general revenues and is be able to expend for our expenses. But the of that twelve million, seven point two million dollars was allocated to reduce the mill levy, the property tax mill levy on the city side from forty four mills to thirty eight mills. So Kansas City, Kansas, as a municipality, went from being the first and among the twenty five top first class cities in Kansas, the highest. Uh, uh, assessment, I'm sorry, property tax rate, to now about 13th, so we're about middle of the pack, because mm. we reduced the mill level six mills because we're taking $7.5 million out of that those sales tax revenues to offset property taxes. That was an important move. We're also spending about $1.7 million specifically from that money for blight remediation. So as I said, on those 4,000 properties that we own, if we don't maintain those, if we don't put effort into making them look good and presentable and making sure then then it actually causes decline in property values of everybody else. So we're putting a lot of money into blight remediation, removing properties, taking down structures that are blighted, 
and they can't be fixed. We've also done a, are doing a very good job of identifying structures that come into the land bank and getting them in the hands of rehabbers. We've had about 100 properties do that. And so when they come in and rehab those properties, they come back on the tax rolls you know, and, and generate more revenues. So what we really have to do now, and the commission and I are, and staff, we're really working on trying to come up with, uh, you know, uh, affordable housing, but beyond affordable housing, I really want to talk about sustainable neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. That is, neighborhoods which are attractive, uh, that will be detractive for generations. They're quality housing. They're beautiful housing. They'll be beautiful neighborhoods. Um, and they're going to be green. In other words, they're going to be financially sustainable because there are technologies now where you can build and uh, so that rather than spending $400 a month on your utility bills for to get heat and to cool, you might be spending $50. You can really achieve 90% energy efficiency with the correct kind of build. What that will do as we bring these in at an affordable price is allow families to either uh, uh, buy or, or uh, build a bigger house and build wealth. And so long-term sustainability is going to be environmental sustainability. It's got to be long-term attractiveness of neighborhoods. It has to be uh, build wealth for families who occupy or live in those homes. I want to zigzag just a little bit, if that's all right, Andy. Go but, for it. you know, so my headquarters is on the Kansas City, Kansas mm -hmm. side, right? Mm -hmm. I'm on yeah. Kansas yeah. Avenue just across the river from KC Moe. Um, there are so many things that are unique to KCK, mm -hmm. but there's also this, I think, really strange, wonderful dynamic of Kansas City in general and that there's the greater Kansas. I mean, you're not mm -hmm. just working with folks in a different city or different county, but a different state as well. Mm -hmm. And so tell me about some of the initiatives that you're working on to both connect KCK to KC Mo, as well as things that you're doing in order to stand out maybe or, or be different from what KC Mo offers or, or bring folks, you know, not over necessarily, but make sure people know like, no, this is a whole separate thing and this is why it can be better for you mm -hmm. personally. Right. So I think one of the, I mean, I look at what we want to do is watch the market, see what the market forces are telling us. And what we're finding is in those parts of town that have been, were redlined traditionally, actually those four commission districts, which are on the east side of town, have seen this past year, we had about a 15.5% increase in uh, property appraisals. Um, if you look at the Piper area, <clears throat> that was about a 6% increase. But a 15.5% increase in residential property values means that people are building, bidding up the affordability. So you can still find a home for 100000 120000 if you're moving in as a family. And so people are coming in, buying those homes, it's affordable, and then they're putting their sweat equity into those mm -hmm. to improve that. So now we're seeing more and more people interested in getting some of these vacant lots and building. Um, we have about 40 in process right now. So the advantage is what we have is, as you see, that you know people are being kind of uh, uh, priced out of downtown Kansas City, Missouri, the crossroads, those kinds of areas. Uh, rents are high. It's very, it's, property is not cheap. We have plenty of property. We have proximity to every place in the metro except Lee Summit. But I always say Lee Summit's not even close to Lee Summit. Um, we have. But wait a minute. Yes. What if everything else is just far away from Lee Summit? What if Lee Summit is the central Stop. hub? Stop. Yeah. What if? What if? <laughs> uh, but we have accessibility, easy in and out. Um, we have authenticity, which I think is very attractive mm -hmm. to folks. If you go to Strawberry Hill, you know Turtle Hill, Russian Hill. Um, we have affordability, we have diversity, <clears throat> and all those factors playing together will, if we market this right, and if we bring in the, the right 
you know, changes in our codes, in our um, processes to really encourage development, we believe it's really going to take off and we're going to create a dynamic that will just continue to, to grow and fill in a lot of those empty spots. So a lot of the the goals, the objectives, the the long-term picture, you know, one of the coolest parts about cities, I feel, is the desire to always improve. Mm-hmm. Where do you guys sit with your budget? So, well, after we did, so you could say pre-COVID or right, post-COVID, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, well, where we are is we're always balanced budget and we maintain, do a very good job of trying to maintain a reserve fund of about two months, which is 17% of the budget. Um, we really try not to tap into that. And thankfully we maintain that and that was really sustained us through COVID. Um, and actually the sales tax revenues that we anticipated lose through COVID was not as severe as was projected. So that's really good news, but there's never enough money. So for instance, if we begin to look at our infrastructure needs, we're spending about seven and a half million dollars a year right now on, on road, uh, uh, you know, maintenance, street maintenance, we really need to be spending about $18 million wow. a year. You know, we've got to, we finally have uh, got a, an agreement with the EPA on our combined sewer overflow. And that's going to be in the, uh, over a billion dollars. And we actually, you know, I was able to go to Washington and sit with the uh, water uh, con- quality control department of the EPA. And we insisted that we needed to have a special consideration here. And we actually signed an agreement with the EPA that had not done with any other municipality in the, in the nation. Wow. And simply, be- all we were simply asking for is we need, you know, they, they, it's a long story, but what they were asking us to do over time was really to commit to a financial uh, process that we couldn't because we don't know what the future will bring and we didn't want to be out of compliance and then face fines and so forth. But we actually were able to get an agreement with the uh, EPA that gave us special consideration. But that's that's a huge expense. Special consideration means compensation. They're willing to help pay for it? No. Huh, I wish. No. <laughs> it was more what we would call a financial uh, off-ramp that we would try and complete the projects that were that were designed in phases um, on a schedule that was really too robust, in our opinion, and simply didn't give us an opportunity if if things turned south for us, whatever might happen, that we would be committed to something that we wouldn't be able to, to fulfill, and that would put us in, in, in jeopardy. So they actually withdrew those requirements hmm. and, and, and softened the requirements to give us some opportunities. We're still going still gonna to cost the same um, but uh, we're hoping that perhaps you know some of the you know the infrastructure plan that's moving through Congress now is really focused on green projects and and sanitary sewers and those kinds of things. We might be able to get some funding to offset what the cost would be to our residents and our businesses. And earmarks might come back in that bill as well, right? They 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 those we think pretty much are coming about what they call the community funded projects, not earmarks. We don't want to, but community funded <laughs> projects um, more politically correct. Yes, yes, better. Um, I, and I, you know, I've interesting. I've spoken with uh, Representative Davids, Sharice Davids from the third district. I've also spoken with uh, uh, Senator Marshall and uh, and with uh, Senator uh, Moran's office. And I really have said, you know, if we're going to do a, a massive infrastructure bill, we really need to make sure that we don't throw a lot of fluff in there mm-hmm. because I think that the level of confidence in government is such that people think they're going. It's just going to be. Earmark got a bad reputation because there was so much fluff in there. Mm. This is not a time for us to be spending on fluff. At the national level, local level, we have to be really strategic with our investments that we actually put the money in infrastructure that's going to be generate growth, long-term sustainability. If we do that, you actually you can build confidence in government. If you don't do that, people are just going to 
all levels of government will be further, you know, uh, undermined. So uh, we got to start wrapping up because the whole the whole point of this is let me be brief and we could talk for hours about all these yes, things. Cool. But I, I think I have kind of two questions. And one is, you know, there are some also just big fun ideas that I think you guys are working on yeah. right now. Could you talk to me? Like we could get we could talk about sewage probably for hours, right? Right. But what are some what are the some of the big of initiatives or some of the big you know, audacious goals that you have or things that you're working on that, that Kansas City, Kansas should see maybe in the next five, 10 years, whatever it is. So I, when I, one of the most interesting projects is uh, Flying Truss, which uh, a man by the name of Mike Zeller uh, was uh, kayaking up the uh, Kansas River uh, one day with his son and came across the, the Rock Island Bridge. The Rock Island Bridge was built to carry livestock from uh, the east side of the Kansas River across the west to the west side where the stockyards were located. And uh, it was a railroad bridge and and uh, never had any salt on it. It's a very robust bridge, very strong. He says, wow, this is interesting. Where did this come from? What is this? He pursued it, found out that it actually was owned by the city of Kansas City, Missouri. They thought that maybe they were going to use that for traffic when, for Kemper Arena, for parking on the other side. But uh, what he's going to, what they're going to do is, and we've signed and, and are going to be holding a public hearing soon about this, they will build... Um, uh, cantilever out on both sides of this bridge. There'll be a trail that connects the trails along the levees on the east side of the the, the Carl River to the west side, and put uh, restaurant space and and uh, um, uh, entertainment space. And uh, they should sell some Rieger uh, whiskey over there. And, uh, <laughs> That's right. I like this bridge. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it'll be a trail for anyone to use, but there'll also be event space that you can rent and other amenities that will be located around who, this bridge. Who owns that bridge? So you Kansas City, Missouri owns it now, and then we're going to be purchasing it. Kansas, it. Well, they're going to be conveying it to us, I think, for a dollar. Yep. I've got yeah. the dollar for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and lastly, just completely separate, not politics aside, you know, what is uh, – I'm an entertainment person, right? Yeah. I, lo I love experiences – What's just one of the coolest things that you've ever done? Uh, I'll tell you the my favorite thing I've done is when they when I was first mayor, the uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau had their annual luncheon, and they announced that they were going to be doing a Broadway production of The Wizard of Oz at uh, the amphitheater. And I went to the creative director afterwards and said, "That is so cool! It's my favorite movie. I used to use it when I taught theology. I would use." the Wizard of Oz to talk about conceptions of God and powers and so forth. But I said, I love that movie. And I said, I want to be the mayor of the, of, of Oz <laughs> and so of Munchkinland. So I got for one night, I got to play the role of the mayor of Munchkinland. That's awesome. Well, so we could call you wizard right. mayor David Addy. Yeah. No, just call him, you know, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, we, we really, I know you're pulled in a million different directions. We really yeah. appreciate you spending time with us this morning. Uh, thank you to Emprise Bank for making this all happen. And, and thank you for being a guest on the show. My pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs>